Welcome to the Perspectivalist. Our agenda is to offer a perspective of the world that allows you to think more clearly as a Christian. We want the normativity of the scriptures to be the starting point of everything we do. Thanks for joining the conversation. This is season four, episode six, and I am your host, Yuri Brito. The conversation about baptism, of course, is a two millennium old dialogue among all sorts of traditions. And today I want to just touch a very small element of this very broad and Catholic conversation when it comes to baptism with the pastor of St. David's Reform in the suburb of Houston, Texas, Tumball. And his name is Adam McIntosh, an old friend of mine. Adam, welcome to, to The Perspectivalist. Thank you so much, Pastor Brito. Glad to be here. It's great to have you, and you have just published an article for the Theopolis Institute entitled, Christians Should Baptize Their Children, But Not Because of Circumcision. And that's a, a really fascinating title because it, it offers, in many ways, an exception to what folks view as the primary argument for baptism. And so you're tackling something that the Reformed tradition has really focused on, which is this very clear circumcision baptism connection but you don't think it's the most fruitful way to approach the subject is that correct yes that's correct um the title was uh intentionally uh meant to to grab attention um i'm by no means uh denying that there is a connection between circumcision and infant baptism in fact i affirm that in the article uh certainly there are similarities um, however, I, I don't find that, uh, it's the most, uh, effective way of, uh, helping people come to the Pado baptist position. Okay. That's, uh, I appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm intrigued by the, the biblical theological rationale for baptism that in my estimation, I've been in the reformed tradition for about two decades now is relatively new. I think you can find elements of it in John Murray, in, in Bovink, and even in Kuiper with some of his understanding of um, presumptive regeneration, I am really intrigued and delighted in some ways by the approach you take because it offers a bit of a, a more holistic understanding of baptism that goes all the way back to creation. Can you offer a little bit of a synopsis in how that redemptive flow makes a a strong argument for infant baptism in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me first say that, you know, I wrote this article really with uh, Baptists in mind, uh, especially Reformed Baptists who do care about church history, uh, you know, sacramentology, things of that nature. Uh, but yet, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to to really get the, the Pado-Baptist uh, paradigm. Um, and so I wrote it with them in mind, hoping that this would help them have a deeper uh, or wider uh, scope of baptism in the Bible, uh, because it does seem that in a lot of baptistic circles, um, baptism is viewed really just as this new thing that John the Baptist did in the first century. Uh, you open up the book of Matthew, the first gospel, and baptism just pops up out of nowhere. And so, you know, if, if you're starting only with that as your beginning, you're going to think, oh, this must be some new thing. 
but if you uh, start back in the Old Testament, it gives you a totally different perspective. And you see that it pops up out of nowhere because everyone already knew what it was. Baptism was a regular ritual uh, throughout Israel's history. So we really have to start with the Old Testament's uh, view of baptism to fully understand uh, the New Testament view of baptism. If we don't do that, we're going to get a lot of things wrong when we approach the new. So, yeah, I mean, my article kind of traces it out. Um, but really, you know, the Bible's ritual of water starts uh, in Genesis 1 on day one of creation. When God made the earth, it was a watery mass. Um, and it's out of that watery mass that everything else is going to be created or structured. Um, you know, he's going to divide the waters, uh, waters above, waters below. And all of that becomes the symbolic paradigm for understanding baptism, what it's all about, being cleansed from above uh, by heavenly water. And so that theme just continues to be traced all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, you see it with the corporate baptisms, uh, Noah at the flood, uh, the Israelites at the Red Sea. But you, then you also see it in the, uh, the, the individual baptisms. Uh, there were ordinations for the priests that were done by sprinkling water from above. And then also the, the regular Israelite, if they were to contract uncleanness, then they were to go and essentially get baptized. Now, the word baptism is not used in the Old Testament because baptism is from Greek. And I think this is part of the confusion that some Christians have. You know, if baptism, the word, is only used in the New Testament, then we sometimes don't see the connection to the water rituals of the old. But really, we have to understand that, that they're the same thing. One, I think what's unique about uh, th this conversation is that when you talk about circumcision, it's uh, a sort of a quick argument. You can say circumcision in the Old Testament and uh, baptism in the New Testament connected by uh, Colossians 2, 11, 12, for example, and suddenly you have this kind of aha moment. But Baptist theologians have become fairly thoughtful about this issue, and they've seen the differences between these two rituals and they are arguing for something more holistic, which is, I think, an improvement in the conversation. Now, I have argued from circumcision. I'm sure you've had occasions to argue from circumcision as well, because it encapsulates two fundamental issues of Old and New Testament, which is the bloody nature of the sacrifices of the Old Testament and the nature of belonging in the Old Testament, which is also a parallel with baptism, which now that the nature of the, the bloody sacrifice has changed to a nature of cleansing, but the belonging element is still there. So now you're, you're bringing a, a broader case to the conversation, which I think is fruitful because it does away once and for all with this kind of sacramental proof texting, which you mentioned in the article. You know, yes, you're not going to find a, an, an infant being baptized, but you are going to find an infant being baptized in a larger scenario. So um, talk a little bit about, you've elaborated on this here, but I want to see just a further elaboration on the reality that infant baptism was already present. And I think what the our Baptist friends are asking for is a, a specificity of a case. And we're offering something much, much greater. 
which is not just one baby being baptized in Exodus 20 or whatever, whatever passage. We're offering lots of babies baptized, right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and I got to say, you know, I I, I, I see these uh, Baptist theologians, you know, and they're saying, well, um, you know, circumcision, because of all of these different, um, what you would say or call uh, dissimilarities with baptism, you know, they're saying it's not an automatic proof for infant baptism. And I think they're, they have a good point in that, in that regard. Um, yes, there are similarities, as you, you mentioned a few of those already. Um, however, just because uh, infants were circumcised in the Old Covenant doesn't mean uh, automatically that they're going to be baptized in the New. And I think a, a big part of this is not having a, a, a full handle on what circumcision was all about. Because that's, I don't really elaborate on that too much in my article, um, but I, I kind of lay the foundation that they were two distinct rituals. They were two distinct rituals for different reasons uh, at different times in history. You know, so uh, was circumcision a covenant sign? Yes, absolutely. But it wasn't a covenant sign for everyone. It was only a covenant sign for Jews, and with that, Jewish males, not not women, right? Um, and so it was only for Jewish males, and it was on the sexual organ, um, and it wasn't even so much, you know, a sign of being a Yahweh follower, because you had Yahweh followers all throughout the Old Covenant period that did not have to be circumcised to follow Yahweh. They did not have to become Jews. Uh, you had people who worshiped Yahweh uh, who were Gentiles, right? Um, so it was a covenant sign, but it was a very specific sign for a specific reason. And I think that's interesting to pursue. Um, you know, of course, you got to start with Abraham and Hagar. That's where it all started, right? Um, Abraham tried to use his own human strength uh, to get the seed. And God says, nope, it's got to be a miracle child. And so the whole symbology of circumcision is cutting off the male power. You've got to cut, you've got to cut that off because the seed has to be a miracle seed. And so that's why it was done to Jewish males, because it means they're going to be descendants of Abraham the the cutting off of the foreskin, I believe, ultimately foreshadows Jesus's cutting off on the cross. Uh, that's what it's about. It, it's it said that the Messiah would be from Abraham, that he would be a miracle seed, and that he would be pierced for our salvation. Uh, Jesus, as our head, is pierced on the cross, uh, which I believe is is what fulfilled the ritual of circumcision. So when you see that. And you kind of understand that you realize that, okay, well, circumcision uh, wasn't instituted until Genesis 17. But water goes all the way back to creation. Precedes it, yeah. Then you have you have the 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 Noahic baptism in Genesis 7. So 1 Peter 3 tells us that Noah and his family were baptized uh, at the flood event from the water from above. They didn't get submerged. They got sprinkled from above. Um, 
And so you see then that baptism predated circumcision. And so once you see that, that's where I, in the article, I critique, um, you know, some of the common phrases we hear. Uh, baptism replaces circumcision, um, things of that nature. It's not technically true when you really look at it from, you know, uh, the from Genesis 1 forward, um, uh, using, of course, the apostolic interpretations as our guide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you see that that's not exactly the case. Um, and baptism was always for men and women. It was always for Jews or Gentiles. Noah was not a Jew. Noah was not a Hebrew, uh, and yet he's receiving the, the the waters of baptism from heaven at the flood. Um, so that's where you see the continuity with New Testament baptism. It, it's always been about all followers of Yahweh, all followers of Jesus, Jew or Gentile. It's It's not just been for boys, it's been for women also. And so that's the stronger case, I think, because there's much more similarity and continuity. Um, It's Old Testament baptism that helps you understand New Testament baptism. Yeah, what I I see in this conversation is um, uh, a kind of a perspective on baptism that you can have with, with different kinds of people, you know. You know, for those who are probably a bit more um, self, uh, hermeneutically self-aware, this argument is really, really compelling. And uh, I, I find that to be sort of an additional element in the arsenal and making a very distinct point that when Peter talks about baptism, he is predating the Abrahamic circumcision in Genesis 17, which I think uh, makes your case even more uh, more compelling. Let me touch just on, on the nature of the on the nature of imagery in the Old Testament, because one of the conversations I had with uh, our late friend uh, Greg Strawbridge, who began an interesting debate with James White many years ago, and the very first point that he brought in the debate was a theology of water in the Old Testament. He was building a kind of biblical rationale for baptism that we sometimes focus so much on the recipient of baptism, we forget that the instrument of baptism is water, and that water is all over the Bible beginning in creation for a specific reason. There is a, a divisive nature of water. It separates uh, it separates uh, us from, from uh, the uh, sea creatures, from land creatures. And in baptism, what you are having is a, a form of creational separation also. We're being separated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We're being separated from um, from the land to the, the the fertile waters of the new creation. And what I want to I want to ask you a question, Adam, in regards to the, the nature of water is when you see water being played out in the Old Testament, you are truly seeing a a particular favorability towards a mode, right? And to the exclusion of another, if we take the argument going back to creation, as you mentioned, it looks like the mode is relatively clear from in my estimation. <laughs> well, I believe so. I mean, it, it seems to me that um, whenever, I mean, if you're just talking about the uh, even the ceremonial washings. Now, a lot of times in our English translation, it just uses the word wash. Um, and so, again, I think a lot of times we assume submersion when it when it doesn't necessarily mean that. 
Now, Naaman is an interesting case because the word for dip is used there. Uh, and that's that's kind of a puzzle. Um, although uh, even that doesn't necessarily mean submersion as we think of it modernly. Uh, some older expositors actually thought it meant that he was to walk down into the river, uh, sprinkle himself, get back up, out, go back down in and do it again and do that seven times. Um, that's a that's a harder argument, uh, but it, either way, it's a puzzle. Uh, but I think otherwise, the predominant data we see is whenever the mode is specified, it is sprinkling or pouring. And so we've got to factor that in. I think at least, at the very least, for our Baptist friends, for them to acknowledge that and to see that if those were baptisms, if Hebrews 9 really does refer to them as baptisms, uh, then you can't say that sprinkling or pouring are illegitimate or invalid. And of course, we would say, well, it's, it's, it's the most preferred. We don't say submersion baptisms are invalid either. Um, they're still getting wet. So that's the, the bare minimum requirement. There's water um, being used. Exactly. Water is being used. But when you consider the biblical symbolism, and if you see the importance of wanting to align yourself with biblical symbolism, uh, conforming yourself, it's one of the ways we conform ourselves to the image of Christ, right? Christ is the word of God. Uh, you, you conform yourself to the word of God by adopting its rituals and adopting its outlook on, on life. You know, I pray for the members of my church um, that they would view all of life through the lens of Christian theology. You know, uh, you have to know the word of God and be in the word of God uh, to live it and, and to be conformed to it. And so if you see the importance of that, then you have these questions. Well, what mode of baptism? And uh, the, the overwhelming uh, evidence points to water from above. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean it has to be a little water. It can be a lot of water. The point is, where is it coming from? And, and, and that's where you get the, the, the heavenly direction. It's coming from heaven. And of course, you can tie this all back to the day of Pentecost. Um, you know, Jesus said that they would be baptized by the Spirit. Well, when that happens in Acts 2, Peter called it a pouring. He was quoting Joel, and he says, this is what has been poured out. It's the Spirit. So that right there proves that, you know, uh, baptisms don't mean submersion in the Bible. They can also mean sprinkling or pouring. And uh, just as the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, um, just as the fire of the Spirit came upon the heads, so the water comes to us from above. It comes to us on the head and trickles down. Um, and so that's the imagery we see. Uh, we don't fall into the spirit below. He falls on us from above. And so that's what the picture of sprinkling or pouring uh, is communicating in baptism. The article is entitled, Christians Should Baptize Their Children, But Not Because of Circumcision, by Adam McIntosh, who is the senior pastor of St. David's Church in Tumble, Texas, and also contributor to Kyperian Commentary and other venues as well. Adam, thanks for joining us at the Perspectivalist. Thank you so much, Yuri.